What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Porn of the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and it's great to be here with you today. Uh, I want to talk to you about something. This was I was reading a book by J.C. Ryle uh, called Holiness. If you haven't read it, highly encourage you to read it. And he was a, uh, a minister. I want to say he was in. Am I right in saying South Africa? He that may not be true. That may be. I may be thinking of Andrew Murray. Anyway, J.C. Ryle, um, fantastic uh, pastor and author. Anyway, highly recommend any of his books. I think he even has a commentary on the book of John, which I have. I think you can get it for free on Amazon for your Kindle. I haven't read it yet, but I'm reading the book Holiness, and he has a whole chapter about this subject we're going to talk about, which is based here in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. So what I want us to do is just look at this small, these three verses, and I want us to consider our life in light of the example of Moses, in light of what we read in God's Word, and in light of uh, our struggle with sexual sin. And I believe that this is going to shed some light on it and, and hopefully encourage us and give us more faith, point us to Christ. And so before we get in, though, before I read this passage, I do want to remind you that the the website Natural Porn Killer is soon going to be redirected to the Man of Valor. If you want to check out what that is about, you can do so. Uh, this is a group of men that we are uh, committed to meeting with each other on a weekly basis. We're committed to encouraging each other, to confessing sin, and uh, to really to um, just kind of do life as best we can together. We all are all over the country. Some of us live in other countries, but um, we're here. We're we're there to essentially encourage each other and point each other to Christ and grow beyond our struggle with sexual sin. So if you want to find out what that's about, please do so, themanofvalor.com. All right, let's get into this passage here. So I'm going to kick this off, and I hope I hope this will really be beneficial for you because it's been incredibly beneficial for me. All right, let's go. Hebrews 11, 24 through 26 says this, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. That's it. That's what we want to consider. And again, J.C. Ryle did a fantastic job in his book. He devoted an entire chapter to this. I would highly encourage you to go read the entire book, but that chapter is especially strong. But I want us to kind of talk about this in, in light of our struggle with sin especially if you are struggling with habitual sexual sin, no matter how old you are, uh, because I get emails all the time. I get emails from 50 and 60 year olds and I also get emails from teenagers from 14 and 15 and 16 and young 20 year olds. And so I want this to resonate with, with you no matter what age. All right. So let's talk about this. I want you to notice we're going to just break this down. We want you to notice some very, very important things. So this is really, really amazing. So let's think about this. Moses refused. So we first we want to look at what did he refuse because this is where it starts. It says by faith. So we we know this is the 
the main point of the entire chapter. It's the chapter of faith, these great heroes of faith that the writer of Hebrews has has um, written down. And so verse 24, by faith, Moses. So this is what Moses did by faith. Number one, when he was grown up, so this came with maturity. And now we're not, this is, I don't know if this is talking necessarily about spiritual maturity, but definitely as he grew up and was able to make his own decisions in his own house, he, this is what it says. When he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So what was he refusing? So let's just stop and think about this. Here he is, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So a grandson of Pharaoh, he refused what? What do you think the privileges were of the grandson of Pharaoh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Well, obviously, Obviously, when you look at the entire landscape of Egypt, this person, Moses, would enjoy power, right? He, he would enjoy power that comes with his family's name. He would enjoy privileges along with that power that 99.9% .9 of Egyptians did not enjoy. All right, so think about that. We're talking uh, about power, um, privilege, access really to anything he wanted, access to the absolute best education, access to any kind of worldly pleasure. This, this could be involving uh, material wealth, treasures, or it could be sexual pleasure. I mean, it could really be anything. But he made the conscious decision to lay everything down, to refuse everything that his birthright gave him. The family name afforded him these things. He said, nope, I'm refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so verse 25, it says, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So Moses chose mistreatment with the people of God over the pleasures of sin. Guys, this is this has everything to do with who he believed himself to be, his identity. This has everything to do with identity. The world told him he was one thing, yet he knew he knew who he really was. His identity was linked with the people of God. And, and his mother, likely, as, as she raised him when he was growing up, more than likely, she embedded this truth deep in his heart. And so when he grew up, when he was able to make his own decisions, he said, you know what? I'm not going to choose this incredible lifestyle. Everything that the world says is incredible. Everything that the world says, this is what you should choose. All the power, all the pleasures of sin, all of these things. I'm going to refuse that. And instead, I'm going to make an absolute like opposite choice. I'm choosing mis treatment because guess what? This is who I am. So I've said this on the podcast before and it, and it 
is worth repeating over and over and over again. You and I are always doing or not doing something based on who we believe ourselves to be. And so when you and I are habitually in sexual sin going back and back, it's, it's because we're not believing the truth of God's word of who we are in Christ. Like Moses had both as an option. Like he could have, he could have enjoyed all the power and all the privileges and all the pleasures of sin that the Egyptian lifestyle afforded him, and yet gone and said, "Hey, but but you know, hey Israelites, you know what? I'm I'm with you. Like I'm your I'm your I'm your ambassador in this great." culture of of Egypt. You know what? I'm going to make sure that you get treated better. I'm going to make sure that that the slavery is not as bad. I'm just going to make sure that you know what? That that you're all right. But that's not what he chose. He had both as an option and he chose his identity with great wisdom and humility. And so how many of us today choose the pleasure of sin over the people of God? And, and if we think about it, like think about this. There's no harsh slavery like there was for God's people back then. If you're living in the USA, there's no harsh slavery for you. It's, uh, it's simply a matter of identifying with Christ and walking in humble obedience to Christ or choosing the ways of the world. And you can't choose both. And yet Moses here chose the mistreatment over the pleasures. Like, and this is, this is the incredible secret. The incredible secret is that there was something lasting and glorious beyond this mistreatment, beyond the mistreatment that he was going to endure. There was something lasting and glorious that he was fixated on. He was fixated on it. He was like, you know what? <laughs> I may live. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. I don't know. But that's nothing compared to what's ahead. This is what J.C. Ryle, this is what J.C. Ryle said about this. He says, Faith told Moses that affliction and suffering were not real evils. They were the school of God in which he trains the children of grace for glory. The medicines which are needful to purify our corrupt wills, the furnace which must burn away our dross, the knife which must cut the ties that bind us to the world. Marvel not that he refused greatness, riches, and pleasures. He looked far forward. He saw with the eye of faith kingdoms crumbling into dust, riches making to themselves wings and fleeing away, pleasures leading on to death and judgment, and Christ only in his little flock enduring forever. He saw with the eye of faith affliction lasting but for a moment, reproach rolled away and ending in everlasting honor and the despised people of God reigning as kings with Christ in glory. Guys, you and I 
have to, we must, by faith, look beyond this world. Like, everything this world is going to tell you is get all that you can now. Get everything you can today. Store up as much money as you can. Spend it on yourself as quickly as you can. Build incredible businesses so that you can have an exit one day and and live in luxury. This is what the world is going to tell you. But Moses, by faith, looked well beyond the greatest riches of this world, and he chose mistreatment. This is what Spurgeon says. Spurgeon says, Pleasures are certainly better than afflictions, according to any ordinary judgment. But Moses came to this conclusion. Although affliction might be God's worst, it was better than the pleasure of sin, which is evil's best. Moses counted reproach to be better than the treasures of Egypt. God's, God's fast is better than Egypt's feast. We should view life as Moses did in connection with the reward and commence a life for God and holiness. To what faith did, did Moses have? Faith in what? Faith in what? We have to ask ourselves that question. What was so incredible that, that had Moses believing and desiring mistreatment with God's people over the pleasures of sin? Faith in what? Well, faith in God's great promises. Like, you and we need to understand something. There is no refusal of power, pleasure, sin, and a life of ease unless you are convinced there is something better. Convinced. Or else what's going to happen is you're going to give lip service lip service to the Christian life, and you're going to live your life like any unregenerated person in this world that looks like they're not hoping in anything better than this life. This, this, is, this has everything to do with faith looking beyond this life, beyond this world, and seeing something far greater. Uh, I believe it's Thomas Chalmers is an old Scottish pastor, and he had a sermon that talks about this. You can go look it up and find it online. You can read it. It's called, um, let me see if I remember exactly what it's called. It's called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Thomas Chalmers. The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And, and brother, you and I have every opportunity in the world to grow in our new affection. And it comes by faith. And how does faith come? By hearing the word of God, by reading the word of God, by meditating on the word of God, by desiring and sitting in and listening and believing the word of God. So, faith, without faith, what can we do, brother? Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
like rewards. And, and isn't that what they said? Isn't that what the writer said Moses was looking forward to? In verse 26, he was looking to the reward. Faith leads to seeking and believing God. God loves to reward his children, but it requires faith. And why is faith so important? I believe because the correct faith is rooted in humility and help from the Lord. And this is the very thing that he delights in. Isaiah 66, 2 says, but this is the one to whom I will look. This is God talking. So if we want the gaze of God on our life and help from God, he says, this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Well, brothers, you have to know the word to tremble before the word. So why would you look anywhere else? Why would you spend hours upon hours upon hours looking at TV, looking at social media, reading secular books, and give God's word just, uh, just uh, eh, 10 minutes, five minutes? We need to understand that faith grows as we give ourselves to humbly approaching the word of God and asking God to reveal his truth to us and then asking him to give us the strength to obey. And as he grows your affection, as he grows your affection for Christ and amazement at Christ, guess what? It begins to push out the desire for sin. He is willing, brothers. He's willing. Are you desperate enough? When I don't know God well, I don't believe him well. I don't have faith. And really what happens is I end up relying on myself. And so I want to just briefly, as, as I close this down, I really want to look at just three things that I saw that were signs of mature faith in Moses here, because it says when he grew up. And we know Paul, whether he was talking about spiritually or physically, it doesn't really matter. We know that Paul talks about babes in Christ and immaturity in Christ and maturity in Christ and carnal Christians versus mature Christians. So I want to give us three things that mature faith does. And and listen, there's not there's not a man living today that isn't that doesn't need to still grow right so until we're done with this life we'll always need to grow we always need to be sanctified we're always going to deeply need help from the lord so this is what i see in moses three things number 1 mature faith refuses to be captivated by the, what the world promotes as the best. It refuses to be captivated. Now, you can be an admirer of all kinds of things. Like, you can see incredible things that man has made and wonder at and think, man, that's just really amazing. I mean, I love technology. I love, I mean, I was just, I just saw the other day, just the brief, probably two, three minutes um, video clip of Steve Jobs revealing the iPhone 
to the world. And it was an incredible, just an incredible time because we were all like, wow, man, this is incredible. Who would have thought of putting 10,000 songs on a phone? And, and now it's just something that we live with. So the computer, the phone, any other technology, I mean, even artificial intelligence, AI, this is, it's pretty amazing what's happening. You can admire those things. But are you so captivated that you desire them more than you desire other things? I, I love the design of beautiful cars, right? So, and, and what I mean by that is a Ferrari is gorgeous. A, a Porsche is gorgeous, I think, the way they're designed. Does that mean that I'm captivated and I'm lusting after one and I have to have one? No, it doesn't. But I can admire it. You can admire it. But mature faith refuses to be captivated by what the world promotes as the best. Moses refused power, fame, and luxury to be identified with God's people. Number two, mature faith chooses God over the pleasures of sin. Sin is both short-sighted and it's also short-lived. So there in verse 25, he says, choosing rather to be mistreated. This indicates that you and I have a responsibility in this matter. Every sin is a choice of trusting God or not, believing God or not, having faith in God's promises or not. And, and this choice that Moses made seems counterintuitive. Enjoy pleasures or endure mistreatment. <laughs> counterintuitive, right? So on the surface, if you wrote it down, if you took a piece of paper and you wrote those two things down, nine times out of ten, we're always going to choose pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure. We run away from pain. But this leads me to my third point. So point number one is he refused to be captivated because it says there he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he refused to be captivated by the things of the world. Number two, he chooses God over the pleasures of sin. And then number three, and I think this is the, this is the one that we really need to think about. Mature faith considers the second and third order consequences. Now you may not know what that is, but let me let me look at the passage one more time. Verse 26 says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So that's that's the focus. So what what are second and third order consequences? Well, first order consequences are what we see on the surface. And this takes us back to choosing the mistreatment of being being identified with God's people or the pleasures of sin. Those are the first order consequences. But what you need to do is on that piece of paper, if you wrote that down, hey, what are the consequences of being being God's man or being the world's man? Well, I enjoy the pleasures of sin being the world's man. What about God's man? Well, I I endure mistreatment. It's what Scripture says. It's what Jesus says in Matthew 5. So those are first-order consequences. What are second- and third-order consequences? Well, you have to look beyond that. 
And you have to write down on a piece of paper, okay, if I enjoy the pleasures of sin, let's let's look at specifically sexual sin. If I enjoy pornography, what is the first consequence? The first order is pleasure, right? It's pleasure. What's the second order consequence? Shame, guilt. What's the third order consequence? Brother, we could take this as far down as we want to. We can take this down into the darkest depths of man's depravity. And don't think because you're a follower of Christ that you can't go there. That's second, third, fourth order consequences. And before you know it, before you know it, you're looking at stuff that is illegal. You're doing things that are illegal. And, and if you think you're not going to get caught, that's, that's arrogance. But so Moses considered the second and third order consequences. It says he was looking to the reward. So he saw the mistreatment of being identified with God's people. That's first order consequence. That's, that's a negative thing. But he said, no, no, no. I want to look at second and third and fourth and fifth order consequences. Oh, <laughs> I get to know God. I get to be used by God. I get to serve God. I get to see God. I get to witness his miracles. Oh, and then beyond that, I get life after death, eternal life, pleasure forevermore. That's my reward. Forever. I can choose pleasure for 50, 60, 70 years, or I can choose pleasure for 70 billion years. Are you looking just to first order consequences? I confess that I do that. So if you don't know who Ray Dalio is, he's a uh, he's not a believer. He's not a pastor. You won't find him in any uh, Christian bookstore or anything like that. But he is a probably the most successful hedge fund hedge fund manager of all time, and very smart from a business perspective. And he talks about second and third order consequences. This is what he says. Because this is what the great thinkers like Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, Ray Dalio, this is what they think about when they're thinking of investing money. They say this. This is what Ray Dalio said. Failing to consider second and third order consequences is the cause of a lot of painfully bad decisions. And it is especially deadly when the first inferior option confirms your own biases. So your first option is pleasure, sexual sin, pleasure. Oh, well, my first, my bias, my desire, my sinful desire is to have it. And so that first order consequence says, do this and you will receive it. So it confirms that, that bias, that sinful desire. But this is what he says, never seize on the first available option, no matter how good it seems before you've asked questions and explored. So he's talking about earthly things. How much more? spiritual and eternal things. It's the eyes of faith that look beyond this world to the one to come and say, I choose, I choose to take up my cross, die to myself and follow Christ. No matter what happens, I am looking to the reward of all who have walked down this path. And so brothers, like you and I need to pray for more faith. 
and I, I have a podcast episode called The Root and the Remedy. And, and this is what it talks about. It talks about the root of our sinful behavior, our unwanted sinful behavior. If you're struggling with porn, the root of it is a lack of faith, and the remedy of it is more faith. And brother, there's only one place you're going to find faith, <clears throat> and that's by diving deeply, being dedicated to the Word of God, like digging in it daily. It is a treasure trove. Like you will never run out of finding gold. And so this is what you and I must do. And so I want to just pray for us as we close down. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. Lord, give us more faith. Give us greater faith and give us a vision beyond this world. God, may we not be captivated. May we not be captivated by everything this world says is great. May we consider being identified as your child. May we consider that as the greater choice. Lord, may we look, may we, may we look at our sin and not only consider first order consequences, but second and third order consequences. May we really dwell on that and see where that path leads, which is it leads to shame and darkness and hiding. So God, I pray for the men who are struggling right now, who have no one to tell, who or at least don't think they can tell anybody, who believe they've done things so shameful that that they would never be accepted. God, none of that, all of these are lies. All of these are lies from the enemy, Father. I pray. And I pray for men who maybe even think that they're believers and who are not believers. They've never seen the fruit of the gospel in their life. And so, Lord, maybe you're using this struggle to draw them to you. I pray that you would give them initial faith in you, in the blood of Christ, not in any works that they do, because there's none we can do that would merit our salvation. It is a complete gift from you through Jesus Christ and trusting on his name. So, Father, give us more faith in him, faith in the blood, and then, Lord, draw us into your word so that we can find hope and strength to endure mistreatment in this world and look forward to the reward that's coming. God, I thank you for the men who listen to this. Lord, I pray that you would do a mighty work in them in 2024 and beyond for the rest of their lives. In Christ's name, amen. All right, brothers, that's it for this episode. See you next time, or I won't see you, but uh, whatever. Tune in next time for another episode of Porn of the Gospel.